Welcome to Portraits of Honor. We stand in the swiftly fading shadow of our World War II veterans and heroes who united for a single purpose, to honor life, liberty, and justice for all. They were soldiers and sailors, airmen and mechanics, nurses and pilots, radio operators, ordinary people who did extraordinary things. Our mission is to preserve their stories, to bring their experiences to life for a new generation. This is our tribute, our act of honor. Through their words, we explore the essence of honor and remember the sacrifices that were made. For just the cost of a cup of coffee each month, you can help us preserve their stories. Visit PortraitsOfHonor.com to learn more. Join us as we journey back in time, as we listen, learn, and remember. This is Portraits of Honor. Let the stories of these heroes begin. In this episode, we interview Army veteran Master Sergeant Louis Graziano, the last living witness to the German surrender in World War II. From battling on D-Day to preparing the war room for surrender, Lewis's war journey and his post-war transition is a tale of endurance, dedication, and belief in the blessings of God. Don't miss the captivating moments of his interaction with a movie star and his life beyond the battleground in the beauty business. This interview was recorded on February 22nd, 2023 in Thompson, Georgia. What's your full name? Louis A. Graziano. And when's your birthday? I know you had one recently. February 6, 1923. Okay. Just turned 100 years old. Happy birthday. Thank you. I know you got 1,000 or 2,000 oh, or however right. many birthday cards. Right. Just this year. And still coming, I see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what did you do on your birthday? Oh, they had, reading cards. They had a big birthday party for me. Yeah. At the church. Okay. I bet they did. And How many people? Well, I imagine there was about 80 people. Well, good, good. They, they all had a good time. <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> they had a big chair for me to sit in. <laughs> they all want to take pictures with me. I bet. And I, I'm going to do the same after this. <laughs> um, well, it's an honor to meet you. I've heard about you for several months now, and glad to be able to come over here to Thompson, Georgia, to meet you. Um, where were you born? In East Aurora, New York. Where in New York? East Aurora. East Aurora. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's okay. just outside of Buffalo. Okay. Very good. Um, and how long did you live there? Oh, I lived there till I went into service, 1943. And um, had you ever been very far from home before you went into the service? No, I've never been any place before that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. It, it, there's so many veterans I've met, you know, that grew up on farms and small towns. Mm -hmm. and had rarely been far away from home, more than 40 or 50 miles at the most, and then they go halfway around the world. Well, I was drafted, and it was four of us boys from hometown. Yeah? 
And each one, we all got drafted the same day. And each one, when we got to Fort Niagara, we all were sent to different places, separated us. Okay. And did they all make it home? Or do you know? Uh, one didn't make it home. He was in the Air Force and a tail gunner on a plane and got shot up. Mm. And the others made it. Uh, tell me, kind of walk me through where you went for training and, and then once you got over to England, I guess. Uh, went to Fort Niagara to start with. And then first day I was there, captain come in, he says, you gotta cut your mustache off. And that didn't make sense to me. But since I was a rookie, I cut it off. And after that, I never cut it again when I got transferred out. So from there, I went to... Uh, and I bet you still have it. Right. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking of that earlier. I was looking at all your pictures, and I thought, you've had that mustache ever since then, haven't you? <laughs> right. And from there, I was sent to uh, Texas. Camp Hood, Texas. Yeah, yeah. And had the commando training there. And uh, from there I was sent to uh, Pennsylvania. Can't think of the name of that camp. Anyway, I was only there four weeks. And from there I was sent to uh, Fort Dix, New Jersey to go overseas. Okay. And the day before I went on the ship, I w went to town and made a record for my father. A record? A, a record for him to play. <laughs> and I told him everything we was going to do to Mussolini. <laughs> <laughs> and everything I said was going to do happened exactly like I said. They hung him and all <laughs> killed him, you know. Yeah, and yeah. And my father played that record all the time I was gone. <laughs> I kept him going. And then uh, from there, I got on the uh, Queen Mary ship. There was 18,000 troops on there. And, you, and the little things where you slept, you couldn't turn around. You probably you, felt like ants. Yeah, you had to get out and go back in if you want turned over. So after the first night on that, I says, y'all can have it, I'll sleep on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> Which I did all the way there. On the way there, the storm came up and it was so bad, we were supposed to go to England. And it was, the storm was so bad, they, we landed up in Scotland, kind of the storm. And then we had to take a train to England from there to Camp Weston. And when I got to Camp Weston, they put me in charge of utilities. So I uh, had to build some barracks for the troops. Build the barracks? Mm-hmm. Oh, so you didn't have them before you got there. Well, they had some, but they didn't have enough. Not enough. So they gave me 30 men to put them to work. So I got all some more barracks built for them. Were you already with the uh, with the unit that you were going to serve with the whole time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I had men from that unit that I put to work. 
and I had two men there that were uh, ones that wouldn't carry a gun. It was a who? Uh, two men that wouldn't carry a gun. Oh, wouldn't carry. Uh, I forget. Oh. I forget what they call them. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway. Like. Uh, uh, there's a name for them. Anyway, they. So I put them to work in the laundry. Okay. <laughs> Take care of that. How long were you in England? Uh, I think I was in England about about a year, I believe. Oh, really? And then from from there, when we left there, we had. 700 miles to go to get to the English Channel to hit the Omaha Beach invasion. Yeah. Um, I was the third wave in there on the Omaha Beach. Third wave on, on D-Day. On D-Day, right. Um, what, what was your feelings before you actually landed? You're out in the, well, out in the channel and I waiting. Just, I just took it as it came. I, I wasn't worried about anything. I was. I drove a gasoline truck off of the LST onto the shore, and then jumped out of it and got underneath the cliff. Mm -hmm. And then when we got under the cliff, the Germans was up there shooting down at us. So I got my flamethrower out. And I put that all on fire underneath them and got rid of that gun. Then there was another gun farther down. So I threw a flare up in the sky the Navy knew what I wanted, and they shot and got that gun out. And then from there, the Rangers were going up the cliff, yeah. which was 100 feet high. It was a ladder, it was a rope ladder cliff uh, going up, you know. So they were the first one to go up, and we followed them. And some of my men lost their guns as they got off the LST, kind of mm -hmm. so much equipment on them when they hit the water. They had to get rid of it to, or they'd drown. So the ones uh, getting ready to go up the cliff, I said, you all go down there and get your guns off of the dead soldiers and follow me. So we went up the cliff and fought all our way to St. Lowe's. And from St. Lowe's, we fought our I way to the Reims, France. That's when I got the Reims, France. I don't, I don't know how long it took you to get to St. Lowe from on the beach. I think it took us 43 days really? from there to get to us, uh, Reams. And, uh, oh, two Reams. Okay. Yeah. And then it, uh, the Colonel Tracer put me in charge of the utilities there when I got the Reams. And that's when I went and got the Germans, uh, or the Frenchmen ahead of the equipment. Mm -hmm. I guess I told you that all. Yeah, tell me that story again. Yeah. Uh -huh. And we went there to get stuff for the troops, and they wouldn't sell them to me. So I went back, got my a couple more men, and went back and went over there, and he still said no, and I pointed my gun at him and told the men to go ahead and load up. They loaded up, and I gave him paper, go get his money for what I took. And I told the major when I went back, he says, we're gonna get in trouble. I says, no, because he's afraid I'm gonna come back and get him. <laughs> we didn't have no trouble. No trouble after that. Right. <laughs> yeah, if I need something done, I'm going to come get you. I'd get, I'd get it done. <laughs> You'll get it done. Right. Let me back up a little bit 
back to uh, Normandy, we, you said you had a, a flamethrower to mm -hmm. take out a, a machine gun or, or was it a pillbox or? A flamethrower. The kind that puts on, you yeah. have on your back yeah, yeah. or from a tank? On the back, yeah. And shot up under the cliff. Wow, wow. And you? Yeah, I went up the cliff after the, and followed the rangers up the cliff. Yeah. And we fought all our way to Reims. Hmm. That's, that's impressive. I didn't know that part of, of your story or I hadn't read it yet. Mm -hmm. um, so, and uh, so you were in, you must have been in Reims for a while. Yeah, from then on I was Allied at... Command or... From then on I was with uh, Reims, charge of the utilities and all the buildings that the Americans occupied, I was mm -hmm. in charge of seeing everything that was done for them. And then one night, the captain come in, it was snowing terrible. He says, I want you to go on a mission with me. I says, is that a order? He says, no, but I can put it in order. <laughs> so I says, okay, let's go. So we had to go find General Patton's. Half of his troops got lost. And we had to go find them and take them all the way to Bastogne. And we went, we found them. And we fought all our way up there. And I got them there to Bastogne. And I got frozen feet at that time. And after I got them there, Captain and I, we went back to Reims. And they put me in the hospital for my feet for a couple of weeks there. They all black and blue right up to here. Hmm. How did that affect you for the rest uh, of your... Yeah. Like that. All the way from... All that's uh, from, from back then, huh? All the way down, yeah. And at night, sometimes I got to get up and rub them because they start hurting. Hurts pretty bad? Yeah. Wow. Most people don't think about the uh, the long-term effects, <laughs> except for maybe you know PTSD, what or shell shock for so some yeah. soldiers. But well, I I just accept it and go on. I'm not surprised. I hear that a lot. <laughs> that's that's why um, you guys have so much respect from younger generations. Um, you just did what you were trained to do and got it done. Got it done. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, um, well, tell me about a, a little about leading up to the uh, surrender. Um, I guess you knew it was coming soon because mm -hmm. the Americans had made advances pretty quickly in the spring of 45. Yeah, I was in charge of the Little Red School House, uh, Eisenhower's war room. Mm -hmm. He had the maps and all in there. That's where the surrender was signed. So the war room was there in that school? In the Little Red School House, okay. yeah. And, uh, and the Germans come to sign the surrender, and Eisenhower wouldn't be in the room with them. He was up the hall in another room. He was afraid if they decided not to sign, 
He didn't want to be there in case they didn't, didn't want to sign. But after they signed, I took them to his room and he questioned them and, and he wouldn't shake hands with him. He said, well, they, they clapped their heels when they left. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. You don't hear these kind of stories from in the history books. <laughs> We've got, got the history right here. Um, and how long did that take? Was it a pretty short, short uh, surrender ceremony? You know, to sign. Yeah, well, there. Sign a few copies. <coughs> there was the uh, Frenchmen, the Russians, and the British, all on that table. Mm -hmm. I had uh, I had the table all set up where they're going to sit, and they all Frenchmen. They wouldn't sign until everybody else signed. They were the last one who signed the surrender. Why do you think that was? I don't know, they just... Because this was taking place in France, yeah. their country, so I guess they wanted to... Anyway, it got, it got done. And then they had another surrender in Britain, over in uh, Berlin. Yeah, the next day. Next day, yeah. Well, what happened after that? There, all these officials left to go their separate ways and um well, we all had a good time <laughs> signed a surrender well that's understandable <laughs> I, I didn't think about that but <laughs> i bet you did <laughs> and so you stayed in then i, I stayed for a while i stayed there until it was time to go home okay i was in charge of the city rings for the troops. When did you go home? In 46. Okay. And uh, and when they had, when it was an air raid, all the lights around the city were supposed to be turned off. And uh, I told the major, I says, they didn't, they're not turning their lights off. I'm going to go around shooting them off. Can't do that. I says, he says, okay, but I don't know nothing about it. So that meant go ahead. <laughs> so I took a couple of men, we went around and we shot everything that we saw that was lit up. <laughs> I don't know anything about And we it. had no trouble with it. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, after the, after the surrender, you probably got to travel around France a little bit more uh, without being shot at. <laughs> <laughs> no, then, well, then, then uh, in France there, uh, that's where I met my wife. Yeah, how did how did you meet her? Well, my buddy, his girlfriend, and her were friends, you know. So my buddy says, "Let's go to the ball game, watch the ladies play ball." I says, "Okay." So he took his girlfriend with him, and we went. And she was the pitcher on the softball team. And I says, "Who is that?" They, his girlfriend said, "Her name is Bobby, and she's my best friend." I says, "Okay." She worked in the orderly room mm -hmm. doing the office work. So the next day I went and made a date with her. And uh, what's her name? Bobby. Oh, okay. And uh, so I went pick her up that night. And the, the girl at the office said, she's already going with somebody. <laughs> so I turned around, went back. So she stood me up and uh, her friends told her, She'd never get another date with me. 
She told him she would. <laughs> so later on, a week or so, I asked for a date again. And that time she was there, and was there ever since till we, she passed away. How many years married? 63 years. 63, wow, very good. I like that story. And where was she from originally? She was from Alabama. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Sweet home Alabama. Around Hartsville, Alabama. Hartsville. I know where it is. And her, her, her friend, she was the staff sergeant of the, uh, or the mess sergeant. Okay. The food. Yeah. And uh, so one night, after four of us all went out a day we were going back to camp, I said, let's go cook us up a steak. So we did. And who comes in the colonel? What are you all doing here? I says, Colonel, how do you like your steak? <laughs> <laughs> Not to care of that situation. <laughs> uh, you didn't miss a beat, did you? <laughs> no. How do you like your steak? <laughs> well, I figured that'd take care of the situation, yeah. you know. You know how to get it done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And, uh, and then one time I had to build a uh, theater for the troops. Mm -hmm. So I found the land where it was a mountain like this, you know. So I built a theater down in the bottom. Like, and a, put, like an open theater? Yeah, well, open theater. Amphitheater? Mm-hmm. And put the seats over here, mm -hmm. you know. And as I was building the theater down there, the general come up and he says, you know how to do the cool sticks? I says, yes, sir. After he left, I says, what the hell is cool sticks? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I wasn't uh, going to ask that myself. <laughs> so <laughs> I found, I went check and found out it was the sound effect, you know. Oh. Is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I took care of them and it came out good. And... And as I put that building down there, there was a concrete wall mm. down at that end. So one of the boys says, I wonder what's on the other side of that wall. I said, make a little hole and take a peek. <laughs> so he did. He says, it's a wine cellar. Oh. I says, make a bigger hole and get in there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he did. And I said, then get the bottles that's got the most uh, dust on top. I said, that'd be the oldest, the best. Yeah. So he did, and he got out, and we had a big time. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, General comes up. Y'all broke into a wall. Y'all got to pay for that liquor y'all took. So he discounted a little, so much off of each one of us to pay the Frenchman. We didn't care, we had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, How much did you take? Oh, I think, well, we just had a party there. Yeah. Four or five bottles, that's all. Oh, okay. No big deal. No. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I like that. Then, um, Make a bigger hole. <laughs> and then and the theater I built there, they, Jane Foreman was a movie star. You remember Jane Foreman? 
She was in the plane crash. Jan Foreman? Yeah. I don't recognize that name. But anyway, she was a movie star in up. the plane crash. And uh, of course, she, she lived through it. So she came to the theater I built and to sing for the troops. Mm -hmm. So with her crutches, I set her up there. She got the crutches and I went to the sound room to take care of the sound for her. And she did real good for the troops. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so when you came back home in 46, back to New York, mm -hmm. uh, or were you married yet? Yeah. yeah when, we, when did you get married? We got married in France. In France? And, yeah. How long after you met? Not too long. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you fell in love hard and fast. <laughs> and right. um, so you brought her back to New York, I mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. Where'd you live? Well, she, she's from, from Alabama and I was from New York. Yeah, so and, uh, how'd you make that work? Well, when coming home, her ship left the day before my ship was okay. to go home. She had to go with the uh, troops, with the ladies. And her ship cracked up at the Azor Islands. Really? And uh, of course, I didn't know that. And I knew she left the day before I did. Mm -hmm. So I figured she shouldn't be there. Yeah. And I got there and she wasn't there. And I called her family up. I said, no, she didn't come in. I kept calling. It was 30 days before I found out that her ship had cracked up. Hmm. That, so what happened to them? I mean, where, where at, did, at the Azor Islands. They had to stay there for. Well, no, the troops, the, the Enterprise ship hadn't left, gone to take the troops, and they had to turn around, come back to get them after they got rid of them. So that's okay. why it took so long. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't know what happened. I figured maybe it's just skipped out again. <laughs> <laughs> no, surely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And, and, but where did you live? Did you live in New York for a while? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I went um, back into the beauty business. My sister kept the shop going. She was in there. So I went back in the shop work. Okay. And from there, uh, she didn't like the snow up in New York. And she uh, wanted to get back south. So they was looking for a hairstylist at Belk's in Augusta. Mm -hmm. So I went down and talked with them and, and took the job. Okay. But then we moved to Augusta. So you've been in Georgia ever since? I've been in Georgia ever since. And from in Augusta, so many women from Thompson came, got their hair done in Augusta. And I did their hair for them, you know. And they talked me into coming to Thompson. So one night, this one lady called. She says, I found a place for you to rent. I says, okay, I'll come take a look. So I looked at it, I says, yeah, I guess I will. So I moved up there, opened up the beauty shop here, and been here ever since. And I was busy from night and day. They come in real late. And, and they're still working. <laughs> and, and, and their husbands, at that time, a man doing their hair, they didn't like it a bit, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, had, they had a time. But they got over it once they met me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and especially thank you for your service 
Thank you. Um, let me ask you this. You know, back back to Normandy. Um, I don't. Well, there was obviously still fighting and shooting going on, even with the third wave. That oh you yeah. Were in. Oh, we fought a. We you had know, to fight our way all the way to Reims. Yeah, and there at the beach, you know, I'm sure. What was the, what was it like, or can you describe what it's like with all the ships, all the men, unfortunately, all the casualties, and I guess the sounds of cannons from the ships and yeah, it, explosions and that was a terrible sounds. Out of things, you just had to. Do you ever get over that? Yeah, I got over it. I didn't. I didn't let it bother me. I figured I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I wonder what 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 did it sound like? Some you know, of the, some of them couldn't take it. The sound at all. I mean, I see the movies like Saving Private mm -hmm. Ryan. Yeah. And you know, you know, sometimes I just wondered, did it sound like that too? Well, yeah. You just didn't know if he's going to get hit or not, you know. Well, thank you so much. Thank um, you. Oh, here's a question that I often ask at the end is, what, what do you attribute uh, to your making it through, um, through the war and, and such a long, long life? Well, I don't know. Going through the war, I just... Prayed to, prayed to God to protect me, and and He did. Yeah. And I made it through, and I take it as it comes each day. Yeah. I hear a lot of guys say, you know, something like um, divine intervention. Um, can't explain it any other way. Maybe. Right. Okay. I'll end it there, and uh, but thank you. Thank you. This podcast is a charitable supported public service. To learn more about the veteran featured on this podcast, please go to portraitsofhonor.com. There you'll find more stories, portraits, and ways to be part of this act of honor. Every day, a few hundred World War II veterans pass away, and soon they'll all be gone. For the cost of a few cups of coffee each month, you can help us support the mission to give all these deserving veterans their portrait of honor and record and memorialize their stories forever. Please go to portraitsofhonor.com today to make your donation and show your support. Leave us a review and share this episode. By remembering the past, we can inspire a better future. Join us next time on Portraits of Honor. <laughs>